The Youthscape Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, young and old, if you have been with us from the dawn of time, you will know there is one person in this mighty trinity who is the core of this, but who never speaks. Martin, today, producer Rachel is going to speak! It's extraordinary. It we are extraordinary. on episode 136, I think, of the Youthscape podcast. And, uh, and and it's been her thing the it whole way the whole the whole time the whole it's been thing. her thing everything um, and, uh, and and also it's been her thing not to speak yes so she um she, she's every time I've tried we've tried we've to tried, cajole her tried we to... tried to trick her yeah we to manipulate yeah all the things that we do bribe. and yet never did Rachel Warwick ever speak until now she's come from behind the desk and we've like pulled her squeaky chair close to the mic ladies and gentlemen rachel welcome thanks ah! oh my goodness she's the fine. Real you know real when i edit this later i'm just going to cut all these bits out so it's just it you asking like... questions and then silence in between so, oh just for now actually can you go back i don't like you i can move my feet when i sit around there i can't move my feet <laughs> have you spent oh. have you spent like we must have done 20 of these recording days and you've all the time been wedged in a corner yeah, where I've you can't yeah I've actually got pins and needles in my foot right oh, now no way Rachel, the cost the cost so the podcast was it your brainchild was it you and Martin they were one coffee got together and said maybe we should do this no I think honestly it was Martin's idea he said we're going to do a podcast and it has to be every week and you're going to produce it <laughs> that's not how I roll that's pretty well, much exactly what you said right. this Maybe is what line management with Martin Saunders it's brilliant yeah. real visionary yeah. invitation into the, yeah. into the good we, stuff we I remember we, were, we went for a walk around a local green didn't we I wouldn't call it a park it was a local green <laughs> and, uh, and and there were some intimidating youths there so I went a slightly long way out of our way and thanks to that group of intimidating youths we went a little bit further and then had this interesting conversation about what would a podcast look like. From memory, I think, because I've been here six or seven years, you you were at Youthscape for like a hundred years. We'll get back onto that. Um, but uh, but we had a few goes at it, hadn't we? And thought about doing a podcast and then... Oh, actually? Yeah, yeah, we just never... some stuff. No, no, no. We just had conversations about it. Um, and then and then when I joined the three, is that when it all changed? Yeah, yeah. It was nothing <laughs> yeah. It's all about you. I think what I actually said when you said let's do a podcast and do it every week was if we do it, let's never do one without a young person being involved in something. Oh, oh, I think you probably... That so, would be a new uh, thing to say. Sort of we failed, failed on that. Spectacularly on that. I'm not sure we've ever had a young person involved maybe that's just a different podcast Rachel I think it is yeah, yeah. no you're right uh, I think probably we went as we say in the mm. industry we went a different way we did but totally loved your idea thanks so uh, so Rach you have been at Youthscape for uh, a while because you actually uh, you grew up in this area and you, so what was your first encounter with like what was Luton Church's Education Trust um, yeah, I was 14 in oh. schools when Chris came, um, and it was just Chris then. And so there had been talk amongst all the churches in Luton, of which I was part of one of them, about how they were going to employ this one schools worker because none of the churches were engaging with schools and he was going to change everything. And, and looking back now, that feels both crazy because how could one person do all of that? And you also think, but he totally did. Like, mm -hmm. that actually happened. And so so lots of talk about it and then this big launch service but probably my first real encounter of it would have been with 
Chris coming into school and meeting with me and a friend and my brother and his best friend, the four of us, the Christians in school, um, saying, right, what are we going to do? Let's do something at lunchtime. Let's, um, you know, come up with some ideas. We had some terrible ideas for what to name that group. Um, <laughs> uh, and, yeah, starting some stuff at lunchtime in school and, there, and through it meeting other Christians my age and going on crazy summer camps and all sorts. Wow. And then at some point you stepped across the divide and became an employee so what did you do here? I mean, because of course the elephant in the room is you no longer work for Youthscape. Oh, and thus, no. this is your final oh, podcast. This is it. This is the one. So what did you do then at Youthscape? Um, you... I came back to Youthscape in 2009. So finished off my kind of teenage years doing a gap year here way back. Um, and then went off and did all sorts of other things and came back in 2009 um, as, a, I can't remember what it was called. I was managing Breathe which is our interactive, reflective thing for 16 to 19-year-olds. I'd been working, I was actually a primary school teacher, so working with 16 to 19-year-olds made no sense to me at all, but I couldn't persuade them to change the age group, so I did it anyway. And um, yeah, come, came back and did that for a couple of years, and then took on a bit of wider leadership of that project, um, working with 16 to 19-year-olds, particularly in sick forms and further education, how do you make sure there's still a kind of personal spiritual mm. development aspect to that bit of life you know where you get to the end of youth work and there's a bit of a gap before student work starts sometimes and you forget the teenagers at that end of it what do we do for them um and then i think i had a it's going on walks with martin is a bad idea um, because we'd, we'd been in westminster and i can't remember why but we were definitely walking through westminster back to the tube and i'd said to you i'm bored of my job and you were like yeah i know um, uh, and uh, then we created some other role for me that's when I switched properly into Youthscape so mm. when I was doing 16 and 19 so I was actually working for another organisation that Chris was also the overlord of and so oh, I was under him Thing and working here and, yeah, yeah. so yeah it's been Amazing. a kind of gradual journey into Youthscape and once you're in you sort of feel like you're never getting out don't you? So well, it's I, like I don't Hotel think California we're not yeah, going to let yeah. you out and I think it's fair to say I mean you won't want us to say this but when I think of the things that Youthscape is most known and loved for and the events that people have really appreciated over the years, Youth at the Summit, Youth at the National Youth Ministry Weekend, sorry. Those, <laughs> you have been massively involved with making this stuff happen. Like You've absolutely made stuff happen. And we joke endlessly about the podcast, but this would not happen had you not you know, been the real driving force behind this. And you have this incredible ability, Rachel, to understand the detail of how you make something happen but you also have this great big picture of what God's doing across the country and you're passionate about well-being and wholeness in communities you, you founded Make Lunch which now is part of the TLG sort of plethora of stuff that they do but you're an incredible innovator like you embody so much of the values that mm. we at Viewscape mm. just want to sort of call out in the church and, and when I think who embodies that like who represents that that's you massively so and you're an incredible so, you, so you're not going you're not leaving <laughs> Youthscape you're not leaving us God has said the sad truth is I've already gone she left, she left <laughs> some time ago yeah. And actually, when we arrived today for the podcast tour date, we were still outside, and I was waiting for her to get her fog back. Got, I can't get in, I've got fog. Like, I don't have oh, eyes anymore. I'm such a child. Neither like, of you could get into the building. I think, oh. though, that's the, one of the things that I love most about being here was the opportunity to do that, mm. and to, to see a gap in something, and to create something, and to make it happen, to, to see things go from nothing to something, mm. and to see people engaging with openly, coming
coming to the National Youth Ministry yep. weekend, listening to the podcast, whatever else that we've done along the way, you know, and remembering that not that long ago, probably too short an amount of time ago, really, that thing didn't exist. Yes. And just the creative opportunities that you have yes. there, you don't find that in very many places. Yes. And yet, I feel like a ba- when we start talking about this, I realise just the hell I've put you through in the last 10 years. <laughs> like, the, like, essentially... You know, you know they say, and this is a very gendered statement, isn't okay. it? But between, behind every great man, it's there's a, a good woman. Um, but, uh, but, but behind everyone, anyone who gets to faff mm-hmm. about on stages mm-hmm. and organise, mm-hmm. you know, and look host, like they know what they're doing, look like they know what they're doing yeah. events and conferences and things. There is a Rachel Warwick. Uh, it probably who actually, is actually Rachel who Warwick. Actually, it is Rachel Warwick yeah. who actually makes it happen. And so yes. I remember just like turning up to. To, to different youth work summits that we ran. If, if any of our listeners remember yeah. the youth work summit events that we ran, um, you know, you would be pulling your hair out <laughs> and my inability to write a script to write a script yeah. for <laughs> the main stage, the most tightly planned event ever. You know, in every other aspect, the one thing that really needed to exist was a script for the thing, and it was my responsibility. And Rachel would just—I I don't think you ever got physically violent. <laughs> No, I don't no. think so. But I no, think but you, you weren't. You and I weren't working at the same organisation at the time, uh, so I would be chasing you remotely for the script. So probably, yeah. had you been here, yeah, maybe it would have been. Yeah. it would have been interesting. Since then, things have got more violent. To be fair, but, uh, but <laughs> I've never seen this. Hit you once, I think. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Really? Seriously? Oh, that's a juicy story of another time. You're also. I, I think this should be like a we love Rachel Warwick. That's, that's what it is. Oh, okay, that's, that's what it is. What that's this podcast is. I'm just gonna go go for it because I remember. I do you still have the power to edit these things? No. <laughs> This one we're going to take out of your hands. But a couple of years ago, I was having a really horrendous day at work, and you've got this great ability to just look and clock. And you said, Rachel Gardner, you're coming with me. And you just walked me around the building and around Luton shopping centre. And I think just until I sort of calmed down and felt like I could cope again. And I think you have that wonderful ability as well to not only, you don't only innovate great stuff, you're not just task orientated and stuff orientated, you're profoundly people orientated. Like you really. What you're saying get... is I can't ever focus on just one thing. Right? That's what it is. We all know that's true. <laughs> and chocolate brownies <coughs> and cooking up all our retreats. I mean, honestly, as I'm listing it, why on earth has Lisa let Rachel go? Can we did try say? not to, to be fair. It's appalling. It's a slightly point. sore point. Slip of leadership. This is going so, anywhere. So, so, where are you? Well, so to just to draw a couple of, uh, of things out of that. So make lunch, something that Rachel yes, mentioned awesome. uh, a, a minute ago. So that is a, uh, it's no longer a freestanding charity, is it? But that um, is something that you founded. Yeah. And people may not know the story. So there's a documentary on the television called Poor Kids. You watched it. Then what happened? Yeah, so this documentary back in 2011, um, where a film company had spent a long time, years, living with these families um, who are low-income families in Bradford and Glasgow and Leicester, um, and really experiencing what that was like. But the benefit of the families, film companies living in with them almost is that the kids became very comfortable with the cameras. So um, they talked very, very openly about what life was like mm. growing up in poverty in this country. Mm. And I think when you say the word poverty, people think about the 1980s live age yeah, shots. You know, poverty's over there, but it's here. And, mm. um, and actually I didn't watch that documentary when it was on. And it was back in the day in 2011 where Twitter was a big thing. And everybody was tweeting about how awful this programme was and this, not the programme but the situation mm. that it talks about and um, so I, honestly I watched a dodgy copy of it on YouTube to see what the fuss was all about <laughs> I really it can't be that bad can it um, and 
Um, these kids just talk so honestly about mm. it, what life was like, mm. and they'd open the fridge and there'd be nothing in it, like mm. literally nothing. Whereas if I tell you oh, there's nothing in my fridge, I mean I've run out of chocolate and there's probably no cheese left, you know, there's yes. plenty in my fridge. Yeah. Um, but literally a tub of margarine, that would be it, you see mm. the empty fridges. Mm. And, um, and then one of the kids, Sam in Leicester, talks about how he gets meals at school during the day but it's really hard at home there isn't any money and it's good because he gets fed properly at school um, and but his dad who's a single dad has to find 10 pounds a week extra in the summer holidays to feed him and his sister because they're not being fed at school and I've been a, a school teacher I've you know, been in that environment you know who those kids are some of them um, and I never thought about what would happen to them in the holidays that they were actually relying on school for food um, and so I thought, oh, someone must be doing this. I'll go and you know volunteer for them or give them some money or whatever. And when I looked it up, um, Googled um, for quite a long time, nobody was doing that here back then. And that's only, what, eight years ago now. Nobody was doing it. Mm. Um, in America, they've been feeding kids in school holidays since the 1940s, and we wow. are not doing it wow. here. And so um, it just felt like a really obvious thing that we could do. The church could do that. They've got kitchens, they've got people, they've got connections with schools, mostly why are we not doing this? Um, and so six weeks later, we opened our first lunch. And when I say we, I didn't do it. I just talked until someone else did it. Yeah. Um, uh, we opened one in Luton, just up the road from here. Um, and I wasn't living here then. One in Corby, um, in a place where they didn't even have a building. They served food out of the back of their Jeep. Now, wow. basic food hygiene, don't do that. But they did. <laughs> yes. um, and one in Middlesbrough. And that summer, we served 150 meals, which felt like a lot back then. And we're just left in September kind of going, what on earth? What do we do now? Yeah. And it's grown uh, more than I could ever have imagined. It mm. served over 100,000 meals. It's mm. all over the country in churches. Um, and um, the government just 18 months ago now published a white paper on holiday hunger, quoted mm. us and our stats and said that as the government looks to do this and to provide meals and holidays, they should look to the church for how to do it because the church knows how to do this. Wow. Yeah, and so... Yeah, it, it's part of TLG now because having got it started, I knew, I think I knew all along that it would reach a point where it was bigger than me mm. um, and that happened fairly quickly and I knew that if I stayed and tried to hold it as mine, which it never was, I'd, I would break it, I'd get in the way and so it's part of this bigger charity structure now where it mm. can really grow and, and flourish. And I just, so. I, I want us to just kind of acknowledge at the moment just the, how extraordinary both this project is, 100,000 meals and it's growing and how tragic that's needed but how incredible that's the response. Yeah. But Rachel, people have heard of Make Lunch and they might not have heard your name. That's the plan. And that's, <laughs> that's the, the plan. Like that, the fact that that's the plan, that you haven't built a big personal brand around this is, I mean, it's extraordinary. And I just want us to acknowledge that in this moment, that that is unusual. That is unusual. And it's incredibly beautiful and powerful and in deeply inspiring. And just how, with a light touch, you hold these things that God gives you. And they're incredibly powerful, like a sharp arrow, because you're not holding it back. You're not in the slipstream. And I just think that is... If there's one thing I take away kind of what, how you live your life I want to be more like that like just just light touch what God asks us to do just let it go let it's it really go. easy just have there's one phrase I say all the time I'm not that Rachel <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm not, not that, Rachel. Rachel. We have, that Rachel we have a few other Rachel gardeners <laughs> that are Rachel now Oh, but that's inc it's incredible yeah. and thank yeah. you for modelling that kind of leadership twin with innovation that is just extraordinary and I want to make a joke about that but actually I'm usually I'm not going to mm. um, because there's something you said there that was really profound which was just around I knew if I carried on holding on to mm. it I'd break it and how often do we 
see that happen. How often have we, we done do, that? Yeah. Where actually, if we'd if we'd seen the moment where it needed to go, the leadership needed to transition to someone else, we could have saved something. But we don't. We hold on to it mm. because we love it too much. Mm. Um, and so it's amazing. So that's a very prophetic mm. uh, thing. Uh, so I, I want to stop being nice to you for a minute. It's fine. Like you've left. Yeah, you've yeah. left. Yes. I don't want to be nice to you anymore. So you've gone. You've you've left us. You've deserted me personally. I've got a massive in train now of stuff. Can't get it all done. I'm now going to look like a personal failure as a result. I've got no you behind me. Um, I'm not bitter. But what have you gone off to do then? Uh, well, I, as you know, I was never your PA. So, so I don't think anything will have changed in your intro and, and you, yeah, exactly. you know, your work. Not any box on. Um, but um, I have been a PA before, and it was a terrible idea. No one should ever employ me in that role ever, ever again. Uh, so I'm not doing that. Um, I'm working at Script Union, uh, just up the road in Milton Keynes, uh, in mobilisation. So uh, fundraising and marketing, and telling the stories of what, what we're doing up there. Uh, looking at how we recruit that mass movement of volunteers at yes. Christmas it's all the same conversations and I think that's one of the things that's made it so easy to transition the heart is the same mm. the, the, there are millions of young people out there who are going through life facing the same struggles mm. um, and Jesus can make a difference in those lives um, but they're not engaging with church and the church is struggling to engage with them mm. and how can we change that mm. so uh, this is the last time that, that you're going to be Producing the podcast. Yeah. What when you started out two years ago, and you and Martin had that kind of conversation. That well, what, what were your hopes for, for not just this podcast because this is a tool, isn't it? It's a vehicle to, to just kind of connecting and sharing ideas. What what is it that you've kind of seen through this couple of years that excites you and thinks there might just be a future for youth ministry <laughs> in the UK? What are the signs of hope? Um, it's yeah, it's been incredible these times. Sat in here and listening to so many different people sharing about amazing things they're doing, amazing visions for how things could be. And again, with the same heart, we there are things here that could be changed and we have the power to do it through mm. through our faith. And so um, that's been great. And, and just looking back over the massive diversity of that, it's not like it's youth ministry. We talk about youth ministry every week and we're just talking about another thing that you can do with your youth group and one evening a week. It's, it's huge. We've talked about even just... Today, mm. in recording this up, we've talked about politics and we've talked about schools and we've talked about films and it's like so many different things. Like this isn't just about one aspect of young mm. people's lives or even just about young people really. It's mm. about changing everything. It's mm. about how this faith that we have makes a difference in everything we do. Have you had favourite episodes? Well, well, first of all, have you had favourite presenters? No. no, no, you don't need to answer no. that. No, I, I thought often about changing the presenters. <laughs> you don't have the power to do it as well. <laughs> yeah. um, no, actually, I've really enjoyed that as well, just seeing you two kind of banter off each other. And like we've done a couple more lately where it's really been just you guys, and that's been great too. Um, favourite episodes, so many of them. Yeah. So many of them for so many different reasons. The, the six that we put out over the summer were great, particularly the Eden one with Jamie and Teresa yeah. that just sat in that room. That was so powerful yeah. that day. And sometimes I think, the podcast is great and it goes out there and hundreds of people listen to it but they miss out by not being in this yeah. room in that moment sometimes sorry listeners yeah. but it is incredible yes. the, the reality of what people are sharing that one was pretty good quite enjoyed Joe's today uh, yeah let's come out there <laughs> yeah laughing yeah so many things and then they kind of also all blur into one as well it's mm. really hard to separate them sometimes because 
because we do experience them in this long block. We have a long hours of day. Time. We sort of lock ourselves in for about eight hours. Do you know one that really stands out for all the wrong reasons was Uh-oh. the first day that we did nine all in one go, and then we had a school like dinner or something in the evening. Do you remember this? Oh yeah, uh, I do remember. And that. It was ridiculously hot. It was so hot, <sighs> and we were in here, and we'd never done that many in a day before. It was intense, and it. I'm a an introvert, probably at the scale that Martin is any is mm. an extrovert, and so I sat in this corner not saying anything not being able to speak just having to take in all this information all day um, uh, yeah it was exhausting wasn't it so it sounds like for all the wrong reasons all the wrong reasons but, yeah but nine more great podcasts how, you know. how many podcasts uh, have been lost to history we had the interviews that, that, that have just disappeared completely we thought we lost Sean thanks to the particular kind of Sean technology Doherty. that we're using Sean Doherty but we, we did find it. that in the end didn't we? that was a, a moment of great joy and celebration oh. there was one we recorded again there were, oh, there's definitely been a few times can I just yeah, say because yeah. I, I don't want to paint Rachel in a sort of <laughs> angelic light here no they've been don't press pause no I was just making sure it's still recording actually oh very Which good well, well ironically that's a good thing to have done because there have been a few times where we've been right in full flow <laughs> Maybe ten minutes in, and Rachel's gone. Hang oh, on, hang on, yeah, hang on. I haven't recorded just it. Ordering, ordering my takeaway for tonight. And, and it's, can we lose Elizabeth um, Oldfield? Yeah, I had to go back and do her again, didn't I? Yeah, that's yeah. true. There've been some, and people have been very gracious, haven't they? Really yeah, people yeah. have been very yeah. good. I think what we've really loved, though, because again, you know, I, I've, this is my own experience of, of doing a podcast, and, and when I listen to other podcasts, I don't know what goes on behind it, but you need to hear that as the listeners. That actually, Rachel, what you bring to us is an ability to think about all the other podcast interviews, to draw stuff out. You might pause it and say, well, you know, you think about this, and have you thought about that? And that's been a, a really brilliant thing I mean we are completely scatty and we don't give a great deal of thought to what we're going to say don't say that well we I do write, we pray endlessly <laughs> we actually Rachel writes copious notes yes. on interviews for us but it's just absolutely brilliant having somebody that is really good at sort of keeping that in mind like you're just so awesome at thinking what are the wider conversations and, and when we get stuck in our little grooves you're going to like <laughs> text Martin why, why yeah. that becomes don't particularly particularly useful is when she presses pause and says, you've told that story before. Yeah, yeah. Old man. To either Old of woman. us. I know we both do it, don't we? We both do it. But, so it's you know, you've only got so many stories and we do one of these a week. Yeah, exactly. And so the numbers, because what people don't realise about this is that we, so we've, we've kind of come clean on the fact that we record these in, in a lump. In a season, as it were. And part of the reason we do that now is because dear Rachel Gardner mm. is uh, marooned in, in the frozen north. But, um, but uh, you know, not only do we do these massive long days, but then you spend like another day Ages. on top of it doing all the editing. And sometimes, particularly when I've Skyped someone transatlantically, you're having to like cut bits out or, or clean or, stuff, or clean up, stuff or, yeah. up. Yeah. So, so we. But as will be ridiculously obvious to all of our listeners, particularly the long term ones, I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. Right. I failed this part of my music degree. I'm <laughs> rubbish at music technology. The two things yeah. I failed at spectacular in life this this part of music technology and my maths A level. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm kind of fiddling with things on GarageBand to see if it makes a difference and uh, yeah hoping I know what I do you to get it back if it doesn't great. so I hope that Amy can wear this out better than I can you are great so, fiddler and you also are hilarious around posh and important and beautiful guests so even like going to the palace with uh, Rachel <laughs> oh, yeah. you wanted to she wanted to move all Justin Welby stuff out of shot like she wanted to rearrange well, his it office it wasn't that it was that I needed something to lean the camera on 
Just bouncing. Like, away. Put it it away. His computer was making noises. That's a good She's like, I'm just gonna sit, I'm gonna work on the, the Archbishop's computer. No, I'm gonna wait for his computer. So fiddling around in Justin Welby's office was one of the most Quite surreal yeah. moments ever yeah. that we had together. The <laughs> other one that springs to mind was when we ended up recording the three of us in a small hotel room. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was awkward, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. Well, yeah. Everything, nothing is awkward until you. I have to say, Martin, you <laughs> I make, make it awkward. Because I'm like, girls, this is yeah. fine. Like, well, and then it's like, oh no, now it really isn't fine. Like, yeah. And the number of times we've been in very close quarters and you've gone to the toilet and the toilet, that's always been hilarious as well. What? I've had little jokes and little laughs. Me and Rachel have lots of times to chat about You're laughing you about how you go to the toilet? Oh, constantly. Yeah. Loads yeah. of fuel for thought for that one. Oh, oh Rachel, you, we could spend forever talking to you and picking your brains about stuff because what you don't know about youth ministry does not need to be known. Mm-hmm. But um, I am not a youth worker. But that's don't interesting, ever put me in young isn't it? It's a bad idea. Yeah. That's interesting. And yet you've innovated some of the greatest stuff that I think I've seen for young people and among young people. So what is your, what are your signs of hope? Like what, that's a nomad question, isn't it? But <laughs> what are the signs of hope for you when it comes to youth and young people? Because you, you're passionate about young people. I know that you mentor some and you, you walk with them, you don't let them go. Like you're so super loyal. What are your signs of hope? What? <laughs> uh, signs of hope, I think some of the stuff, like seeing the way they're, they're responding to the climate change stuff mm. at the moment, is definitely, it has to be a sign of hope, doesn't they care enough about it to get up and go and do something about it. And you get the media on the one hand talking about how mm. the genderless generation are lazy and they just sit in on their screens and they don't, they don't care about anyone apart from them. And then they go in there hundreds of thousands in March because this matters. Mm. Um, and I'm sure there's a whole mix of reasons why they're there, but they're there. Um, so that that's definitely mm. a sign of hope and I think some of the stuff we talked about it a bit today and it's in lots of stuff you read about Generation Z and Alpha that it's not that they don't care about faith mm. and God it's not that they're not interested it's that they don't know anything about it mm. um, and actually that is a sign of hope because it's different to the generations previously the millennials and our generation really before them were reacting against Christianity because it had been enforced on us in schools you know even when I was in year seven at high school we used to sing when a night won his spurs in assembly oh I love that song it it wasn't long enough ago that that would have been okay you know and that's what Christianity was to all of my friends so when I'm then saying I'm a Christian I'd have to sing that thing and it's really boring and you know um, and that's because our generation fought against that um, and it sort of died away a little bit today's generation are just like oh if you tell me it's there then I'll ask you questions but I want to know because it isn't being pushed on them in the same way and I think it's taking us a little while to find our feet in that but actually when we do I think that's Mm. a real opportunity that's exciting Mm. and if there is one guest that you think we should just like bend over backwards like sell Martin's left shoe for like what if there was one guest you're like you guys you've got to go and speak to that person because the UK youth ministry world needs to hear them. Is there anyone that you're like, you're like, oh, I'm gutted that we never oh, got them right. on my watch? I mean, there's a few sort of big names. Like, wouldn't it be great to have Greta Thunberg? Like, oh, yes. Like, we, we probably a few years yes. later, and Malala would have been yes. a similarly really mm. good. Mm. And yeah. I know neither of them are Christians, but I think they'd have a lot to say oh, yeah. about what we Huge do. Um, I tried, I don't know if you know, I tried quite hard to get Richard Raw. Um, ah. with Richard oh, Raw, yeah. and, and Martin said he wouldn't do it, so you'd have had to have done that. Oh, I did not uh, say I wouldn't do it. <laughs> um, uh, but, but sadly, Richard mm. Raw uh, is a little busy, and so we, we yeah. don't have him. Um, I've always said that I would love uh, to hear what Charlie Brooker had to say to the youth work world as well, mm. because I think his way of 
taking something that we do now as normal and extrapolating that into the future what does that look like mm. um, in in the way that he does in Black Mirror which I, I know isn't perfect has lots mm. of flaws but that thing mm. if the church could do that even half as well as he does we'd be so far ahead of ourselves mm. again in, in responding to culture whereas it feels like we're always behind we're at always the moment behind, so, yeah. Yeah. you know we have a, a, a tradition at Youthscape when people leave they have to do a confession oh yeah um, and people, and often it involves some sort of like, I was, you know, I had to get changed and the cleaner walked in on me naked or something. That's not my confession. That wasn't me. I mean, it's that <laughs> it's sort of typical Monday morning, Martin. <laughs> and it's not far off my confession, but I haven't left yet. Um, so, uh, so, so I, you may have had one when you left Youthscape. Um, I, to be honest, was crying too much to listen. But uh, do you have a podcast confession? Is there anything that we don't know? that happened or is there anything that you've maybe, maybe um, the podcast has never gone out maybe it's just <laughs> she sends me the recording each yeah, week oh yeah. my goodness maybe she makes up the numbers what is this yeah. oh could you imagine that would be so surreal that would be so surreal that is like a reverse sort of Truman show that's amazing that is, right right is that is that it is that the I don't really have a podcast confession I don't think. I mean, one of the confessions that I made, I think were three confessions that my leaving do in the end. One of them, some of our listeners would probably be horrified to hear, I think. Good. Don't you think? Uh, one of them involved you, uh, <laughs> which was, uh, do you remember when we first moved into this building, before we'd properly moved in, and we did a romance academy cooking Yes. And I, I came one. down to help, and the first thing you said to me was, can you just sort out that coffee? Because yes. someone's made it wrong, and it's not strong enough, and we just need to do it again. And I was like, yeah, sure. Tip the coffee down the sink, which yes. wasn't plumbed in. Yes. And it, it went everywhere. everywhere. That was quite bad. That was one of my confessions. And so, yeah. But yeah, the one about the coffee at the Youth Work Summit. Yeah, should should that should that go public? I don't know. The thing about this is, if someone was really upset about this, yeah, they would. They could get really upset. I know. But I'd like. To, I'd like. Right, I'd like is everyone it? to know this. I think you can confess it. Okay. But first, I want to. I want to say Set that the scene. I had no idea. I had no idea. <laughs> okay. So um, we. One of the things we wanted to do at the um, Youth Work Summit was give people. Uh, free coffee all day and then we upgraded it we're like let's not just give people free coffee all day let's give them free Starbucks all day oh. and so Starbucks came in and they did like free coffee for like a, well at its height like 1200 delegates yeah. it was absolutely amazing and I didn't know something about one of just one of those <laughs> years yeah, I might not say which one. Just no, so don't, yeah, sure, don't, don't name which yeah. year. Was it might not have been so, so some years were Costa. Okay. Um, so we'll leave that it, it, Anyway, um, yeah, so, so obviously event managing those days meant that just knowing everything that was going on, making sure it was happening. So again, if I was doing my job well on those days, I didn't do anything at all because everybody else was doing what they were supposed to do and was going fine. But at the, this particular event, we brought in a load of urns for hot water to make the coffee and everything because you need that much to serve a thousand youth workers coffee in half an hour you need a lot of serving mm. points um, and so we had these urns on but every time we put all the urns on it tripped the electricity um, and so we'd get it all back and we had all, we had extension leads running everywhere over the top of office roofs <laughs> in this just particular church building just to try and plug all these urns in on different circuits in different places and we just um, it, I couldn't get them going um, uh, but they had one of those hot water boiler machines so you could get hot water effectively from the wall which is on a different system but we didn't think it was going to be enough and the coffee break is getting closer and closer and all the urns are still cold and it, like what can I do I can't say to these thousands of thousand youth workers there isn't any coffee um, and so we just started filling the air pump things with instant coffee and we served instant coffee <laughs> at the coffee break 
that day at the UK Summit and Martin's on stage going go and get your coffee it's free Starbucks or Costa or whatever help yourself they've been so generous and I'm at the back going you've got the job. Do you know what? Nobody, Nobody noticed. noticed. So if they did, they didn't say anything. Wow, isn't that no profound? No one noticed. Yeah. No one noticed. Instant coffee. But we didn't take any money from them, so that's fine. We didn't take so any I money. Feel that we've we not... did tell them it was nothing, that it was not. I'm really, really sorry, but I made a decision that having some coffee was, was better, better than, than having no, no coffee. coffee. I, think, coffee. I think we can totally absolve you of that, <laughs> and you now owe us all a flat white. No, that was a gorgeous so I think she already bought us one this morning. She already did this morning, yeah. So, um, <sighs> so I, well, it's, it's an emotional moment because this yeah. is this is goodbye to uh, producer Rachel. Yeah. Thank you for your Thank 136 you. episodes of service. Yeah. Um, and uh, and hello next time to trainee Amy, yes. who I presume you're now going to uh, uh, be putting through some sort of intense boot camp. Yeah. Yeah. That'll take quite a while, I would yeah, think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry for whatever she turns out to be in the end. No, I think she's <laughs> going to be great. Um, I think she's going to be really good. Oh. We talked about it a bit at lunchtime. I think she's yeah. It's going to be exciting. Rachel, yeah. Well, we we're really in my car. Well, will you? Will you? Yeah. Can we do shout outs? Yeah. Oh, amazing. <laughs> we really are sad to let to see you go. Really thank you. Thanks. Thank you, thank you. And thank you for giving me lift back to train station slides. <laughs> <laughs> Your duties are stretched far beyond those of a producer. That's it for another Youthscape <gasps> podcast. That's it for producer Rachel. Um, hello to Rachel Gardner. Hello to, hello to Rachel, Rachel Gardner. Gardner. And hello to Rachel Warwick, who is now <laughs> our number one listener. Woo! We'll see you again soon. Didn't record, it didn't record.